Okay, welcome to Guitar Knobs, the guitars, gear, noise, and nonsense podcast. Hosted today by this knob, me, Todd Novak, and our honorary knob, our special guest, Dave Harris. Uh, Dave, how you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great. Excellent. We have a two-part treat. Uh, Dave is a renowned local amp builder, and um, he's got a pretty special story to share with us. And we've got a lot of good questions for him. But before we get into that, we need to hear what this thing can do. So, Mark, why don't you uh, give us a shot? This is this is uh, Mark Desenzo. Hello. He uh, he runs Circus Studios here, and uh, this is a pretty amazing recording facility. Um, and he was kind enough to let us come in today and and uh, hear this amazing amp. My pleasure. And uh, play some amazing guitar. So that's a, just a little tiny taste of uh, what the amp that we're going to be talking about, and more specifically the amp builder. But um, there's a uh, let's Mark. Why don't you tell us what you're running right now? Well, I'm running a GNL uh, ASAT Classic Tele, made in the last five years, and that's going directly into the uh, TAF 30R. And that's the amp. That's the amplifier. And uh, that's going into a Marshall cab, um, 1966A, 212 cab with a pair of G12H greenback speakers, 30 watts a piece each at 16 ohms with 30 watt amp. And that's what we'd classify that. That's just a little bit bigger than maybe, well, I guess you could say a lunchbox, but it's certainly a micro cab. Yeah, it is not a, a, a large cab. It's, um, if you were to take a... About as big as a shoebox. <laughs> um, so, uh, just so, you know, uh, being here in the room, hearing this amp live uh, is pretty special. And uh, just, a, just a touch on why we're even doing this. Um, Mark and I uh, do some work together. We do some fun together, some music stuff. Uh, and one day we were here at the studio and I saw this really ragtag looking tiny amp. I mean, it was definitely a shoebox. Um, it, it looked like a school project um, in, in the kindest way I can say that. And I said, what is this thing? And he says, hey, man, you got to hear this. So we plugged it in and I was truly blown away. Um, he said that uh, uh, the guy who made this is, is currently setting him up with another one. Um, and, you know, I've heard a lot of amps, um, and, and I was just, I said, wow, this is, this is really special. Um, so 
I want to know what was the story behind it. And as Mark uh, started telling me a little bit more, I said, uh, this is, this is pretty interesting. Let, let's, let's have a chat with this guy. And, um, you know, we are located in Columbus, Ohio and anything, you know, anywhere you're at listening, anything is coming out of your hometown is always kind of special. Um, and we want to make sure that, uh, we're, we're giving attention to those who, who deserve it. Uh, that said, Mark, uh, what, yep. what pedals are you running? I am not running any pedals at all. Wait a minute. Do you mean <laughs> to tell me that there were no pedals on that? No pedals. <laughs> um, so you're just, the, all those tones you got out of there, you were just volume? Uh, just volume. Just the uh, volume in a tone pot on the Telecaster that I was playing. And uh, that's all I was using to vary up my sound. I uh, switched actually from uh, the out-of-phase position to the bridge position for overdrive, uh, started in the out-of-phase position and clean and switched to bridge. And uh, I think the sound reflected that. That's the one great thing about this amp, um, among the many great things. But um, one of the great things is that the sound of the amp reflects what I'm doing with the guitar. Uh, what, uh, what, what, go through your settings on the amp really quick. Oh, um, right now. Uh, I've got the volume at seven and a half. Uh, I've got the treble around four and the uh, bass at around two and a half, which I like for its overdrive channel. Um, I can play, uh, for example, I'll turn the operator back on. That's uh, setting I like for clean is uh, just everything at noon, uh, bass, treble, and volume. Uh, if I were to throw that into the fat or overdrive channel, it's a little bit more I, than I usually go for on the bottom end. Um, so I, I generally dial back a little on the treble and on the bass, uh, get a little bit more of that mid-range, and push it up about seven is... And you can that's it's more than enough overdrive nice. and that's not even dime that's that's just at 7 and um it uh, it goes on from there but that's that's all I usually need if I want to do heavy metal I'll just put a little pedal in front of it but um, yeah. And, sure and I, I think it's fair to that. say that we purposely didn't drag in, uh, multi-thousand dollar guitars to do, uh, to do these, uh, little demos. Um, it's worth saying that with really affordable gear, you, you the sounds that you can come up with are, are truly incredible. Um, so we're going to dive back into, uh, we've got, we also have, a, a, an Epiphone Sheridan 2. Um, and, uh, so we just try to bring the range of what is a, what is a, a classic humbucker sound sound like? What is a telly sound sound like? And what does a, what does a semi hollow sound like on, on this amp and, and run through the, the, all the different varieties, uh, is it's an incredibly dynamic amp. And the, the real reason we're doing this is to talk to the person who created this thing. So. Back to Dave Harris. Dave, you still with us? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't mean in that celestial way. I just mean... <laughs> um, so, okay. With something that is handcrafted, 
um, just touch really quick without going to super deep detail yet. Um, how, how are these brought to life? Um, anything special about that? Well, I think one of the things that's special about them is I was building amplifiers originally in 1956, 1957, and these are very similar to the designs that uh, were being brought out by Fender, and uh, in fact, Bell Sound Laboratories was here in Columbus, and they used a lot of the same circuitry, the same basic concept that I do with my amps, and uh, that older method was not as efficient power-wise, but the sound that it made was superior. Mm -hmm. And that's what I heard. And so I wanted to go back to that old sound when I started making amplifiers. Mm -hmm. And I used those old design concepts, and I got an amplifier that sounds like I want it to sound. Good. And you have, um, I think... A, a buzzword maybe in the guitar industry, certainly right now, is point-to-point wiring. Yes. So tell, tell us a little bit about... Well, point-to-point wiring was the classic way to build amplifiers uh, in the 50s. And in fact, it stretched back before that. And uh, a good designer would sit down with his schematic and he would look at the components that were going to be wired together and try to arrange them in such a fashion that... Everything would go from a point on a tube socket to another point on a tube socket, and you didn't need to use many terminal strips, and you didn't need to use any kind of a turret board or anything of that nature. You could actually put the components right in where they go in the circuit, and and it takes a while to figure that out. And in my case, I built about five of them before I decided on the layout that I was going to use. And with that layout, our leads are short. There's very little coupling between components, so you are less apt to get uh, sporadic oscillations and noise. Uh, and uh, all in all, it's a wonderful way to build a circuit if you if you can, if you've got the time. Mm-hmm. It is time consuming. Yeah. So uh, time consuming. How if you're gonna if I send you an order today, what what is what does that look like? Well, uh, the electronics that goes into this will typically take eight to twelve hours to wire. And, uh, of course, I do the whole thing. I'm also making That sounds the, really fast. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's, it, it, the first ones weren't that fast. <laughs> you get down into a, a, a procedure, and you know what you're going to do next, and you have everything all lined up. You can build them in about 12 hours. Wow. But uh, that's just the electronics. And, of course, in, in my case, I'm also building the cabinet. And I'm actually uh, buying flat plate aluminum and bending it and drilling it and punching it. And <laughs> so wow. there's a lot of hours in it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I often say I work for the same wages as a Chinese schoolgirl. <laughs> 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 but I want to compete with China and I want our people in the United States to realize that uh, we can make amplifiers that will offer superior sound. And they're affordable. They're affordable for the students that are beginning to discover the beauty in the guitar, yeah. all the wonderful things that can be done with it. And if, if you have a little solid-state amp, and you're just not going to hear that. Yeah. That's I, the problem. That's definitely fair to say. I mean, just based on what we heard, the dynamic range, I, I, most people would spend, you know, couple thousand dollars on just pedals alone trying to get some of those tones. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fact that that all, is all coming out of one 
very small, very affordable, very dynamic amp is, is really special. So we're going to spend a little bit of time trying to figure out how we got here, how you, how you got here. And I guess collectively, cause we get to, we get to experience your work. So take us back to the way back machine. And, um, how did, how did you start? Well, I, um, Got a jigsaw for Christmas and made myself a wonderful little slingshot. And when my father came home from work... What, what very, year is this? What year is this? This would have been 1954. Okay. About 1954. My dad came home from work, uh, and it, w- it was very late, because he had been experimenting with uh, uh, photography, taking pictures of the interior of eyes, and lo and behold, when I showed eyeballs, him, right? yeah, the inside of the eyeball. That's weird. And uh, <laughs> while it's very helpful for the eye surgeons, and in this case, uh, a youngster had uh, taken a BB shot in the eye Yikes. from a slingshot. And so when I showed Dad my new slingshot, he looked and smiled, and he says, I, I'm not going to ask you not to play with it, but I want you to wait until tomorrow night. I'm going to bring something home. Mm-hmm. And so I did, and he brought home a kit for a crystal radio. So what's a crystal radio? Just a crystal radio is the uh, radio uh, technology that evolved in about World War One, where uh, people would take a, 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 a galena, which is a, a lead ore, and uh, put a catch whisker on it, a, a very tiny uh, wire would come down and make contact on it. And in fact, we didn't know it yet, but this was the forerunner of what would later become uh, our transistors because this was a semiconductor. Oh, wow. And with this device, uh, uh, fellows uh, would wind a big coil, tune it to a radio frequency, and then uh, put an antenna on it and then rectify that signal, turn the AC from the radio uh, wave into audio. And it was an extremely simple device, but anyhow, my dad and I worked until about one in the morning, and in those days... Uh, all the local radio stations signed off at midnight. So I was afraid maybe it wasn't working, and I began to listen and listen, and then finally I heard a a very faint voice, and it said, uh, this is WWL, New Orleans, the voice of the Deep South. And that (laughs) really impressed me. (laughs) To to hear that radio signal coming all the way from New Orleans with no power, Nothing hooked up to the power line at all, no battery, just earphones and this little piece of crystal. It's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> it, it is amazing and still is amazing to me. But So Dad and I both got very interested in radio. Yeah. And that's how it happened that uh, uh, a few years later, having built ham radio transmitters and receivers, uh, uh, Dad was playing his new uh, – Les Paul, uh, that was in 57, I believe. Wow. <laughs> okay. Well, yes, I still, still have, have that, it. Huh? Oh, you still have <laughs> it? Oh, I still have it, yes. Holy moly. <laughs> Great sounding app. Just noodling here. So, with the semi hollow body guitar, you know, it can. Turn it up just a little bit with the crunch and uh, 
I can get it. Can't complain about that. Um, you know, uh, give it a little bit more bump. And uh, you Epiphone Sheridan. You can just So there's not a lot you can't do um, with uh, relatively inexpensive instruments and um, a really, really, really good guitar amp. Can't uh, sing its praises high enough. Anyways. It's it's worth mentioning, um, it, you know, it's not going to come through on your in-ear speakers probably quite as much or, or in the car or whatever, but uh, the, the range and the clarity that we're hearing in this room... Um, Mark actually has a, so the, the, the cabinet that he has <clears throat> is, he took the casters off, so it's sitting on a carpet. There's also a box behind it um, with a weight on the box because some of these, uh, some of these sounds that he's getting out of here, especially when he's really pushing it for demo purposes, um, we're actually getting movement on the cabinet. Isn't that correct? Well, yes, um, that, is, that is correct. It just shakes it across the floor i have a about a 40 pound wood block with 70 pounds of dumbbells on it um sitting on uh some polyurethane tiles that i got from a hardware store that's used in plumbing just uh, so it doesn't slide and uh um yeah i had to tighten everything down on it because this is a very strong 30 watts and it's 30 watts clean right yeah, that's, that's 30 watts of pure sine wave and uh, with no distortion detected in the waveform. I'm sure there's some, but it's uh, it's not detectable visibly. Uh, it actually puts out uh, probably closer to 60 watts distorted, and that's when you're going to start moving your box across the floor. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and it's and it's uh, the G12Hs are. Uh, I think 13 pounds a piece. Yep. So that cabinet is probably without the weights. I'm going to say somewhere in that 30 to 40 pounds. Um, uh, so it, it it's it's throwing a lot of energy, and um, I had it going through a 50 watt speaker um, uh, before I had this cabinet, and uh, this was this amp was way too much for it <laughs> and i was afraid i was going to blow it so that's why i opted for a uh, heavier duty cabinet and it's still more throttle than i need so <clears throat> it's fair to say um it, it, though, though it looks pretty small um and you know this is i think this is something that we're seeing a major trend in right now in uh, the guitar industry uh or you know music industry that you don't need a massive rig to to gig with, um, I, I mean, this would do be more than enough at a, at a, at a live gig. Um, I think it's also worth mentioning that um, when when we're talking about this amp in particular, this is a thirty watt amp. So, like, yes. you you are also making you know, ten watt amps, right? And and I well, I see. I have a, a ten watt, which is a pair of. Uh, 6AQ5 tubes, which is similar to the 6V6, 
uh, and uh, then there's a 14 watt, and and that's with a pair of six V6s. Mm-hmm. Then the uh, Quad EL84 is a 30 watt. This is what we're listening to here. And uh, then the 35 watt is a pair of classic 6L6s. Mm. And I also have uh, a 100 watt, the Centurion. Uh, I only for outdoors, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Don't try this at home. Is that no? <laughs> it's it's, it's so incredibly loud. We're in a large loud. room right now, and 100 watts compresses. It makes a big room sound small. Yeah. And um, I do have an attenuator. I was uh, curious about how having uh, four um, broadcast mics and a loud guitar amp would uh, come across. And so I do have an attenuator that can, so I can play this through a 30 watt speaker at lower levels. And I do know that Dave has sold uh, amps that um, are being used through direct boxes to PA systems. Mm-hmm. And. Um, you know, uh, Dave, you, we were talking a while ago about the uh, long tail design on the output. I really love how this uh, guitar amplifier tr- uh, guitar amplifier translates uh, my performance. Um, in <laughs> even and sometimes when I'm playing poorly, uh, maybe a little too accurately, but um, mm. it's it's it it is the most honest guitar amp I've ever played. Um, could you tell us a little about that? Well, I think that does stem from the fact that it's an old design. Well, a lot of people would say an obsolete design. Um, uh, back in the uh, uh, late 50s, people began to discover the long tail pair, which was a way of uh, taking your output stage and making it a true differential amplifier. Now, as long as you're within uh, the range of the amp and you haven't saturated any of the stages involved, any of the tubes involved, the long tail pair is capable of producing gain in the output stage, multiplying uh, uh, the input signal by 15, 20 times, uh, which gets you more power out. But the minute uh, any of the sections in there begin to distort, it's, it's a non-symmetrical distortion. And it isn't really very musical. It doesn't sound pleasant. It, it's harsh. It's like a train wreck. <laughs> but there are people that like that sound. And if you want that kind of tension, you, you can get some of it with this. But even when this amplifier breaks up with its cathodyne drive, it's symmetrical. And yeah. as a result, it sounds more musical. It's, uh, I, that's my best explanation. My that, um, well, last we'll guitar that. amp, yeah, which <laughs> I loved and um, still love, was a 64 um, Blackface uh, basement, Fender basement, all original. And um, the performance, albeit different, um, this amp, which is way more affordable than that one, I wouldn't, mm-hmm. I don't miss anything about the performance of that amplifier. In fact, um, I actually have a little bit more range because the basement is, is a very simple amplifier uh, to play through. And uh, as is this one, this is just as good in every way than that as, as that amp was. So, Yeah. Well, and it, and it, you don't have to, I mean, you get, it's a two-piece, so you, well, you don't have to, you know, get a buddy to help you out with everything. And that's the mm-hmm. great thing about uh, having it in a studio um, setting is that I can play it through. I've got a uh, a pair of vintage Jensen speakers that I can play it through. I have a pair 
of um, Celestian 75-watt speakers that are right now out of this cabinet that has a little bit more of a mid-swept or a tighter feel on the low end and less mid-range. I like the greenbacks paired with this. It makes me feel like I'm playing either like a, you know, sort of AC-30 or um, maybe sort of that uh, Bluesbreaker Marshall sound, uh, depending on how I'm playing it. Um, I have a uh, Mesa Boogie cabinet that... Um, has a different sound and that's what I like doing is, 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 uh, as far as I'm aware, amplifiers don't make any sound, uh, without speakers and you change the speakers. It's like having as many amplifiers and, uh, certainly you have to pay attention to the output impedance of the amplifier and the uh, impedance of the speakers. But, you know, every speaker I have has got it written on it. So, um, the amplifier is adjustable, which, uh, my Fender amplifiers were not, And uh, that's also really cool because I don't have to hunt down exotic speaker uh, wattage and uh, impedance. I can just match the amp to it, which is great. And so, um, yeah, I I can. I have a two piece, and I prefer it that way. Actually, Mm -hmm. you you mentioned uh, the the speakers, um, Dave. Could you? Could you tell us just a little bit about how you go about, like, when you when you're building a new amp? Um, uh, for someone does, does the cabinet that they're using play into how you would custom build something or do you, do you recommend, uh, a a specific speaker setup or can you talk about that? I always like to talk to somebody, uh, that is going to use one of my amplifiers about their cabinet design and uh, what sort of venues they want to play in. Uh, uh, the speaker is an extremely important part of the system. Uh, and as Mark said, each one has their own personality. So if you're, if you're looking for lots of clean headroom and a uh, classic jazz style, you uh, would prefer one sort. Uh, and if you're playing uh, to a large uh, audience, uh, you probably want to close the back off, for instance. Uh, I'm finding also that there's merit in uh, uh, arranging your your speakers rather than the usual side-by-side if you run them vertically, especially if you can get a quad out there. You're creating a wedge of sound that goes out and doesn't do much up and down. And as a result of that, uh, there are fewer dead places in the audience and everybody can hear you more clearly through your whole range. And then the speakers themselves, uh, the range of speakers that people call guitar speakers is amazing. (laughs) And one of the things I always look at is the efficiency of the speaker. Hmm. Because if I go out and I buy a a, a full-range guitar speaker and it says, well, and my uh, sensitivity is 94 decibels for one watt at one meter. Okay, now I look at, uh, let's see, uh, uh, Classic 30 from Celestian, 101 decibels for one watt at one meter. Now, I've effectively multiplied my power by three. Yeah. Every, every time you double your power, you only gain three decibels. Three decibels yeah. So, you know, here's a 30-watt amplifier, and if I play it in that, uh, that amplifier that, or in it, into that speaker that's a 94-decibel speaker, it's going to sound like about a 5-watt amplifier. Wow. Maybe clean, 
but it sure won't be loud. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think it's important for the guitarists uh, that's selecting a speaker to know, first of all, where most of his sound is going to be. If he has a lot of brightness and he needs a lot of uh, clarity in the upper ranges, he wants a, a speaker that can handle wider range. Uh, he always wants to get efficiency, I think. Uh, Solid-state amplifiers did spoil us in that regard because, you know, you want 200 watts, you want 400 watts, no problem. We can give it to you. And so your speaker doesn't have to be as efficient. But... Uh, I would rather the amplifier do its job and the speaker does its job and we not try to <laughs> trade off there. Yeah, yeah. and, and I, I found um, I'm doing mostly studio applications, so 30 watts is is more than enough. And in fact, uh, sometimes is too much depending on what microphone I want to use and uh, what kind of... Uh, combination of room and uh, attitude that I'm trying to convey in my production. Uh, on stage, however, I find uh, in, in my live performance days that uh, there was always this back and forth with the um, sound uh, engineer um, controlling the mix, the live sound engineer. Um, everybody's asking for more vocals on stage or more drum or kick and snare on stage. And it's because the guitar amps are way too loud and they don't need to be if they're being mic'd through a PA, PA system that's much louder than anybody should really have a guitar amp. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's some s situations out there for guitar players that are listening where more than 30 watts might be necessary. But when you've got three uh, bass amp that's pushing two, 300 watts and then two guitar amps and you're trying to listen through a wedge that only handles between 100 and 300 watts. Gosh, you don't want to hear 300 watts in your face versus those amplifiers. Uh, you know, I always preferred a quieter stage sound. And um, if you have the right speaker combination and the right amp, you'll get your sound. You'll just be able to hear everybody around you too. And everybody out in the audience can be heard, uh, can, can hear you better than if your guitar amp was really loud on stage. Um, and uh, I'll say from firsthand experience, uh, live mix engineers tend to favor uh, more controllable amps so they can give your band the best sound. That's my 10 cents. Uh, mm -hmm. Speaking of sound, we're going to do one more quick demo. Um, yeah. You got the telly in hand right now. Yeah. Why don't you show us a little bit uh, something that, that uh, what this stuff sounds like. And then we'll get back to get back to Dave. do it <laughs> wow. yeah and that's again that's all just tone and volume control and, and just mark flipping around on the on the uh pickup selector on the telly yeah, just skill <laughs> yeah it, he hasn't touched the amp just so yeah. what, what you heard right before that little little bleep, 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 like nothing just straight out of tone yep. and volume that, that's that's amazing um so let's get back to 
Um, where where you started, where you ended up, back to your story. Um, I, I, I was intrigued about uh, your military uh, experience and getting an engineering, uh, electrical engineering um, education, you, I think you mentioned. Well, I got a, I got a lot of, of, of technical school right. from the Air Force, uh, and it was helpful to put some math behind some of the principles that I was working with before and didn't really understand mm-hmm. the relationship. I had a feel for the relationship, but not. Uh, I couldn't calculate it. It wasn't very professional. Uh, do, you, do you think that that, uh, that really helped to influence your – so you, you mentioned when you got out, everybody was running solid state, mm-hmm. um, and uh, – that's a that's another curious topic. I, I don't know that we have time to, to go into that, but I'm <laughs> where that where and why that happened. Well, uh, power components for audio uh, at the level of uh, starting out at about thirty five watts, thirty three five watts, and going on up to a couple of hundred, they get very expensive, and the equipment gets heavy. Uh, the power transformers alone uh, can really weigh you down. At a 100-watt amplifier, you pick one up, it's going to take two of me to carry it nowadays. Mm-hmm. So when Solid State came out, uh, this allowed us to work with uh, a low voltage, high current, uh, and uh, a couple more directly to the speaker, uh, simplifying the design tremendously. But... Of course, there's a difference in the sound, and that's something that it's taken the musicians a few years to discover. Uh, and, and, and everyone's back on the uh, uh, the right page today. I, I, there are very <laughs> few people will argue with you that the solid state sounds better. Uh, but well, to, and to clarify, very very few very few people would all argue that that a solid state does sound better when, in fact, we're in favor of the tubes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and and uh, in fact, if you want to be scientific about it and analyze what's going on, a solid state amp can produce a lot less distortion, a much purer sound, true high fidelity. Mm-hmm. But our ears are not listening for true high fidelity. We're listening for the interplay uh, when the distortion begins to happen as it gives a a personality, an organic sound to the voice. Mm -hmm. And that's an analog thing. Yeah. (laughs) And so it's not just on or off, which is where your solid state basically works. It's just on or off. That's really interesting. I I will reference um, a a podcast we just did where we we talked about, so you're bringing the scientific um, aspect of that. And we were talking about sort of the guitar aspect of that Mm -hmm. the other day where it is, uh, and nothing against like Joe Satriani or, <laughs> or anything, but um, I find as Joe Satriani sound to me, to to me sounds like what a uh, solid state amp sounds like to you. We rattled off a whole bunch of other guitar players that weren't in the same mm-hmm. super echelon because of the fact that there were that there was that. Um, the 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 mistake of nature kind of working its way in there you, you're hearing things that aren't pure that aren't 100 percent um mm-hmm. uh, uh unadulterated there's there's the accidental n- noise that's happening um so that it just it's curious that you brought that up from an amplifier and a scientific mm-hmm. standpoint and we are talking about that just from playing yeah um, so you can imagine 
if you start mixing those combos around, uh, that, that greatly affects your sound. Yeah. Um, so the, coming out of there with, with new learnings, uh, would you say that that influenced where you are building like up to this point? Well, it certainly has uh, encouraged me to realize that uh, what I'm doing is on the right track to giving people the sounds and the versatility of sounds that they want with a guitar amplifier. And uh, so I'm I'm reluctant to make changes. (laughs) However, I have had a group of people that are saying, I want an amplifier that breaks up a lot more like a Marshall. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, to that end, I, I have built an amplifier uh, family up that I, I rate with its pure uh, sound output, and I also rate it with its overdrive output. And uh, we have uh, a 6V6 model and a 6L6 model. The 6L6 model is a two-faced 44. It really puts out 35 watts. Of clean sound. Mm-hmm. But Explain two-faced for it for those who... Two-faced is it has two personalities. And mm-hmm. I think that one of the things I was able to do is keep enough of the classic circuitry to permit us to get a really good clean sound out to that point where the amplifier is hitting the end of its headroom. But then if you want to drive it hard and let it break up and distort like a train wreck, <laughs> mm-hmm. you can do that. And you'll get more power out, and it's much louder. But, uh, you know, it's not the kind of amp I've built in the past. But I just uh, just sent uh, a friend down to Nashville who's a student down there, Mike Robinson. Mike's an excellent guitarist, and uh, he was in the shop. And I said, here, take one of these Two-Face 22s down to Nashville. I just got a call the other day, and he says, a friend of mine wants to buy it. Is it okay? And it, he said, they really love it down here because it, uh, it does play really clean if you mm-hmm. keep the gain down. And if you turn the gain up, it gets trashy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, Dave, can you tell us a little bit about, um, you know, it, it's one thing to be interested in electronics. It's another thing to say, I'm going to build something that um, – that you can hear music through that mm. that's that's a very special way to take electronics what were some of the reasons that you got into that and maybe some of your influences well as i mentioned my father played guitar and he played guitar very well he could pick up classical music or popular music and and uh, play it beautifully mm-hmm. it's a it was a different kind of thing than what mark is doing today but uh, nevertheless, the beauty came through, and there was always music in our home. Uh, Mom and Dad both loved Dixieland, and they would play uh, the Dixieland bands and some of the old blues bands that uh, uh, came out of New Orleans. And, uh, of course, all the uh, popular music from the 40s and the 50s. And uh, music was always part of our lives. Uh, the... Uh, the experience of singing uh, in uh, the Glee Club at school, in high school, the experience of singing with the Columbus Mentor Corps have given me an even deeper appreciation of how much uh, music means. Uh, in, at the Mentor Corps, we have a song we sing that says, Harmony hates zusammen. Harmony holds us together. And uh, I've always thought that was a beautiful sentiment, and it's a, a lovely melody. 
And uh, my daughter uh, is studying philosophy, recently uh, got herself a degree in philosophy. And she said, did you know that that song that you sing is 2,500 years old? Oh, wow. I said, no. She (laughs) said, yes, it was a translation of a, a philosopher from ancient Greece was translated in Germany and set to song. And it's 2,500 years old, that sentiment. Wow. And, that's, and, and, that's and, cool. and I have watched through my life uh, the influence that music has had on my family, on my friends, on my acquaintances. And music is a beautiful, wonderful thing. It's a healing thing. It's a bringing people together to experience uh, a kind of unity they can't experience any other way. Uh, just, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, Gabby Gifford is a, a story, uh, you know, after her injury, she couldn't speak and her, uh, therapist was working and working with her and someone suggested, why don't you try intonation therapy? Hmm. So the uh, therapist said, this little light of mine and Gabby answered, let it shine. Mm-hmm. That was the first time she'd spoken. Six months later, she gave an address to Congress. Wow. All of her speech was stored on the music. music side of her brain. Uh, that's neat. <laughs> so, you know, we are only beginning to understand the power of music and what effect it has on our brains and mm-hmm. where our language comes from and what brings us all together. It's the songs of the birds that keep them in a flock. You sing the wrong song, you're not in our flock. Interesting. I, I didn't know that. Do you guys know that? I've, I've heard that. Yep. There's, so you're I've making seen me, birds so, dance, so I'm the dummy too. here. Yep. That's um, what you're saying? No, I like <laughs> But music is a lot more has a lot more meaning to us as humans than than we can even imagine. I think yeah. that we're going to find more and more uh, as we go forward. And and to me, uh, uh, music has has just been the most wonderful part of my life, no matter where I experience it. Hmm. And and that's why working with new musicians, especially the young people, who hear a good tube amplifier for the first time and begin yeah. to say, oh, what I can do with my chords now. Yeah. Well, what, how, how much more beautiful can I make this? Yeah. And so that's where it's at. <laughs> I, I'm with you, man. I, I think, you know, that, that sentiment uh, just uh, about how, how powerful music is, you summed it up really well. I'm not going to even attempt to rehash that because I will butcher it. And Jeff's nodding at me like, yes, you will. (laughs) Um, I've been known to butcher it, so it's all right. Um, But, I mean, honestly, that's the whole reason that you're sitting there. I'm sitting here. Jeff's sitting there. Mark's sitting there. And anybody who's listening to this is got their ears glued to it right now, you know, because... um, It's an an important thing, and when it gets a hold of you, it doesn't let go. Um, We're going to wrap up uh, this first part, I think, uh, right now, and um, uh, we're going to get on to the second part of this uh, in in just a little bit. Um, David, it's been really great having you here. And and uh, well, talking, certainly being an honorary honor. knob today. <laughs> you don't have to tell anybody that though. Um, and uh, yeah, so those uh, we, we will have um, 
uh, some shots of this interview. We're going to have links to how to get in touch uh, with Dave and um, get your hands on these these amplifiers. Um, they're uh, we've we're just really blown away and we know that anybody who's, who's uh, hearing this is, is probably going to be very interested too. So hopefully, hopefully you stay pretty busy. Um, Mark, you want to take us out on a little something? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Screw that up. <laughs>